Hi, and welcome to another episode of Gomology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. Now, I'm pretty excited today because I've got two guests, and they are two guests I spent quite a number of hours last year watching on television. They are two of the finalists of the Great British Sewing Bee. So, I think we'll start with the ladies first. Would you like to introduce yourself, Liz? Hi everyone, I'm Liz. I was a semi-finalist on the Great British Sewing Bee in 2020 and uh, I'm from a small town in the northeast called Middlesbrough. I am a product manager for a company who makes outdoor garden power equipment quite randomly so I um, actually manage a portfolio of lawnmowers and hedge trimmers and uh, garden trimmers which is a very exciting job I'm sure you can agree um, but also lots of different hobbies so I like to ride my motorbike, I like to garden and also spend quite a lot of time sewing and looking after my little family as well. So not a, a sort of super glamorous job then? Not exactly super glamorous, no. I spend a lot of time testing lawnmowers, testing robotic lawnmowers and uh, doing sort of general product admin to get products ready to um, go on our e-commerce platforms like uh, Amazon and our website as well. Hi there, yeah, I'm Matt and I was a finalist in SoMB and uh, I live in London uh, with my partner and uh, uh, I just love sewing. Uh, I work in TV uh, as my full-time occupation, um, but really I want to be doing sewing all my life um, instead of sat in front of a load of TV monitors watching TV, which is not a bad job, but um, I'd rather be sewing. Yeah, um, so I began sewing about five years ago, um, and uh, it all came about through drag and the London drag scene. And um, I used to go to a nightclub called Sybil's House, or so a night was called Sybil's House, and every month they would have a theme. And um, I would challenge myself to make something different um, um, and to go out in uh, for that night. Um, so uh, that's how I started and then I started doing stuff for drag queens and I got asked to do more things so um yeah I just self-taught myself and kept learning um uh every, you know every time I'd done an outfit I'd learn something new and I just picked it up and um I discovered that I enjoyed sewing and I've always looked for something creative in my life I've tried all sorts of things um but this one stuck and I just really enjoyed um doing sewing and i continue to do it and i yeah uh, i will keep doing it all my life i think what sort of other creative outlets have you ventured <laughs> into before oh god um well photography i wasn't too bad at photography i quite enjoyed photography and i still do a little bit of that um djing was one of them and i was absolutely useless <laughs> at that <laughs> so I, I gave that a miss I, I bought a whole record decks and mixer and everything and um yeah absolutely useless so don't get me to dj at your parties or anything <laughs> but uh and what else did i try i think like creative writing and um yeah it just wasn't anything but sewing it just stuck and i just love doing it is it the blend of design and craftsmanship that appeals or yeah i think um just um starting out with nothing and then ending up with your own creation you know i think that's the beauty of sewing is that you it's it's your own work it's your own stamp on a garment that that you've created and i think that's the beauty of sewing 
did uh, the sort of gowns you made for the the drag scene did that was that very applicable in sewing bee um i think um, it should have been in the transformation i think the final transformation i've done um the carnival one i should have been more um you know creative with it and made it you know took the aspects of my drag um side and kind of made an elaborate gown but for some reason because he got the hour and a half to make a transformation it didn't happen um but i think you know because with drag you have to sometimes you have to fit it quite well and i think that helped you know on sewing bee um especially with the um made to measure um aspect and because i've done women's wear as it were um to fit uh, a male form um you know i think um you know ha having um being able to change uh, a pattern to to fit a male form you know that uh, i think that helped i started sewing for my children actually um originally i was a knitter and um, used to spend countless hours knitting different garments and stuff. And uh, one of the things that I found is that it takes a long time to knit a thing. And when you get to the end and it doesn't fit, it's absolutely devastating. And you have to rip it back and spend another countless hours uh, knitting it again. Um, so I decided to try sewing, which I thought would be much easier and much quicker. And the first thing that I sewed was a quilt for my kids. Uh, sorry, a quilt for my first daughter. And then I realized that I actually wasn't going to need like many quilts. And I was kind of hooked on the actual sewing thing. So I started making uh, sets of baby clothes, little sort of uh, dresses, little jersey dresses and little jersey leggings. And then I just kind of went on from there. And um, I think it was probably about four or maybe four years ago that I actually started sewing for myself and decided to take the dive into doing that. And the reason I hadn't done that before was you use a lot less fabric when you're sewing for children. Obviously, uh, the, their garments are teeny tiny compared to adults. So it's quite a nice thing to start on if you're not that confident. Um, I know a lot of people start off with kind of dolls clothes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, a next step to get into sewing for myself, I would say. I find that whenever I make something for myself, and I'm not really a very uh, very good sewer, but I do make some stuff, I can never fully appreciate it. So I think making stuff for my kids would work much better because I think they'd be quite grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas anything I make is sort of... Uh, oh, I, see, I, good. I get it the other way around where, where they kind of are a bit like, well, yeah, thanks, Mum. But you know, just stick that to the back of the stick that to the back of the wardrobe. I'd rather wear that pretty pink dress that you bought rather than uh, that weird orange and purple looking one that you've just cobbled together out of your scraps that you've got left. Whereas I, I tend to uh, reserve my sewing time for me now. To be honest, kids grow too fast, so you make them something cute, and they're kind of. Uh, They've grown out of it within two months, especially my eldest at the minute. She's kind of grown an inch every six months. It's ridiculous. So, Matt, you'd been only sewing for three years and making rip. So really, and also making sort of kind of quite specific garments. But 
then you sort of manned up and went in for the sewing bee. How did you come to participate in the sewing bee, Liz? I um, had actually applied once before and I think I must have just not quite had enough experience because at that time I'd only really sewn a few garments for my kids on that quilt. Um, and I was just sat um, sort of mulling it over after watching season five and I kind of turned to my partner and said do you think I should apply and he kind of looked at me and was like are you sure <laughs> and I was like well yeah I mean why not let's just give it a go so so I um filled out another application and it was I honestly never really thought that I would get anywhere near shortlisted um to go on the show or anything and um, not long after sending my application in the and the applications closed, I got a phone call completely out of the blue and uh, had a telephone interview. Um, and kind of every stage you think, ah, oh, well, that was a nice phone call, but I'll, I'll not get any further. And then the next phone call comes and they're inviting you for a, an audition and you're like, well, that was a fun experience to go for an audition, but it won't go any further. And it kind of was a bit like that at every stage. Um, but I think I just did it really because I wanted to push myself. Um, I felt in a bit of a rut with the things that I was sewing, I was sewing a lot of jersey garments, which um, I think intimidate a lot of people. But actually, I, I, I was getting to the point where it, I could sew them very easily and wanted a, a fresh challenge. And I thought that sewing bee would be a good way to kind of push me on to do things I, I would never normally do. So, excuse me. And how did you come to join the sewing bee, Matt? Um, I also applied uh, a year before. Um, so maybe they're waiting for me and Liz to um, to be together. and. <laughs> but um yeah i just thought i'd give it a go um i i didn't think i was experienced enough like liz said um and uh i just thought give it a go see what happens like the first year i didn't get through i had a i think a phone interview um but that was it and then the second year um like liz said you know you you go through each of the different stages of the audition and you're like okay okay <laughs> so i made it through that one uh, i doubt if i'm good enough to go go through but in the end um yeah we, we we got the phone call saying uh we're on and i was down in plymouth at the time with my family and um they all gathered around me waiting for the the answer they knew it would be uh sewing bee and uh yeah we uh they were all very happy <laughs> <laughs> had, a, had a bit of a celebration that evening <laughs> I find it incredibly bold <laughs> to <laughs> dare to join it because it strikes me that I mean most of the people on it are just so good and it seems to be so fast paced and the tasks are sort of ah yeah, yeah. it's 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 mad um I mean there are so many great sewers in our year and in previous years um and to think that you're one of 12 in our year that's, that's considered to be one of the best in the country. Um, it, I, I don't consider myself that, but, you know, they've narrowed it down to 12 people who uh, they see as, you know, really good sewers. So it was flattering to be able to be on there. Um, but the speed of the challenges, um, yeah, that was crazy. But the judging took forever to do. Yeah. <laughs> the, first, um, the first week, there's 12 of us, 
and they have to judge every single garment that was made and it went on for a few hours <laughs> it was crazy yeah, it takes it takes ages um but they obviously what you see on the telly is only kind of a snippet of what's said like they maybe take a one-liner out of a good like 10 to 15 minutes worth of judging every garment so you can imagine times that 15 minutes by 12 contestants that's a lot of judging to sit <laughs> through um and it was really hot that first episode yeah. as well that first week that we filmed was was like 30 degrees outside um so it was some some of the bits felt like the time went in a in a flash and then some of the bits felt like you were kind of standing around waiting for hours and hours waiting for the final verdict as well every <laughs> every week was oh, a that killer. took forever they were uns so undecisive sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it probably worked in my favor some weeks to be fair Matt, so i'm not going to say too much about that <laughs> it must be must be pretty awful if you've um assembled a rather ropey garment and you know they're going to spend about 15 minutes taking it apart yeah that was oh, yeah. that that's really tough like i know um i had a really tough week in sports week and i had made the infamous uh rugby shirt and got the collar on upside down and then had to spend i, I had to make a really agonizing decision about do i take off a really perfectly sewn but upside down collar or do i um and and sort of reattach it and make a pig's ear of it or do i leave on a really perfectly sewn collar but acknowledge that it's upside down so i couldn't it was really hard to make the decision and and i just kind of had to go for it and in the end i took the collar off and turned it the other way up and i kind of really wish i'd just left it on but perfectly sewn because there were times in that sewing room where Patrick and Esme did not realise that certain bits had been sewn on, like wrong armholes, wrong arms sewn in wrong armholes and all that kind of stuff. I might have gotten away with it. I might not, but I might have. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, that was a that was a painful judging session, that one. Uh, there were a few tears. Oh, you had tears as well. <laughs> it strikes me that you never actually see a film crew on set while you're sewing but given all the sort of uh, smart comments and details that are caught up i mean how many camera crews do they actually have walking the room there's uh, three or four yeah uh, there's quite at a any few. one time yeah yeah there's um there's i think three producers uh in there going around to all the sewers and like asking us the questions we just want to turn to go away politely <laughs> because we're busy trying to get this garment made within two or three hours and we don't want to be hassled with loads of questions but they they quite happily came over and, and talked to us and interrupted us with our sewing but yeah there's quite a big crew there and they're all absolutely lovely you know I didn't mm -hmm. see any of them be miserable or anything but they're all happy to be there and it was a really good crew that we had yeah they, they do a good job of staying out of each other's way i would say uh it is a miracle that like no one ends up in shot um but they yeah as matt said the the producers come over and they're constantly asking you questions and there'll be a camera on you pretty much 50 percent of the time while you're making the garment and people constantly asking you questions about what are you doing now what's this step what could go wrong um, and then obviously when you see us talking to camera, 
we're actually talking to one of the producers and they're asking us what happens or what's happening with what we're sewing. And then it's not just the producers. You've got Esme and Patrick coming around as well. And of course, Joe. Um, yeah. So we got, we've been hassled all the time whilst we're trying to make these garments in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty tough. And of course, that adds nothing at all to the pressure. Oh, nothing. No, it's <laughs> nothing. complete water yeah. off a duck's back. <laughs> I think a, a few of the contestants, um, myself included, might have been a little bit more than polite to tell them to go away. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe does sort of get in, in your face a bit, doesn't he? Oh, but Joe's nice, though. Joe, um, it does kind of help to relax you a little bit, and he does throw a little joke in here and there. He is a comedian, after all. So um, he d he does uh, entertain you whilst you're getting stressed. Yeah, you get a bit of warning that he's coming over to talk to you, and then obviously you kind of get yourself to a point where you're like, right, I can stop for a few minutes here and have a have a chat to Joe. But, yeah, it, it, he's really good fun, you know. He, uh, he sort of helps make light of things. Yeah, definitely. Because it we does seem like you are having a lot of fun there. Oh, he did. I think uh, Children's Week, my my, my, my best, well, I, it's my worst week, but my favourite week because uh, I was just laughing all the time in, in tears of laughter with Joe and uh, with you, Liz, we, yeah. especially during a transformation. I was on the floor trying to get my whatever it was over the mannequin and we just in tears of laughter <laughs> <laughs> me and me and matt were at the back of the sewing room on children's week yeah. and uh we absolutely were cracking up the whole way through it was ridiculous we're, we're being quite naughty as well <laughs> yes that's why we're at the back of the room not naughty school kids at the back of the yeah. room <laughs> it does it does strike me that it's a very rare occasion when you actually have plenty of time to complete the tasks yeah, I think they do, I I think they deliberately make it kind of just enough time and if anything goes wrong so you if you have a major hiccup there's not really much time to go back and and correct anything that you might have got wrong. Um you do end up having to sort of sacrifice some of the finish on the inside of the garments as well. You know, there's no kind of well, I mean, unless you're like a superhuman like Claire is and she puts French <laughs> seams on everything. But, um, yeah, there's no sort of uh, time to be putting bias binding beautifully on armholes or anything like that. It's it's really just a case of get it through the sewing machine as quick as you can and, and hope that your buttons stay on when it comes to judging. If you're at home and you're making these garments, you take so much more time over it and finish it perfectly and beautifully. But yeah, you just can't do that there. You have to make it as good as you can in the time you're allowed. And I, I just remembered when we had time limits on one of the um, tasks, we um, we had to make buttons and nobody read. <laughs> nobody, I can't remember what it was. Can you remember what it was? It was covered buttons on the turno blouse. Yeah, turno blouse. We had to yeah. cover, make our own buttons, covered buttons. And nobody had read the instructions. So we got five minutes to the end. And then we all realized that we have to make these covered buttons. And <laughs> none of us had time to do it. So I think we all kind of made one or two. Yeah. I think Mark may have made more. But yeah. um, we were just Mark like, ah! 
No, right. didn't didn't Mark end up putting um, just normal buttons on? No, he put normal of, buttons on. Rationale yeah. was he'd rather have five normal buttons than no covered buttons, which yeah. is fair enough. But it's quite funny when you do when you do watch the edit back, and Esme says something like, "If they all leave it to the last ten minutes, they could be in trouble." And then we're all there, of course, <laughs> leaving it to the last ten minutes, making these flipping yeah. buttons. But the thing is. I um, made I made five covered buttons, but I couldn't get them all sewn on. So I was just <laughs> desperately disappointed that I had actually made all these covered buttons and then didn't, you know, fell at the final hurdle of actually putting them on the garment. I hope you've shown Esme the buttons to prove that you made them. I can't remember if I did or not. She probably <laughs> wouldn't have believed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah Liz, whatever. I believe you. <laughs> five covered buttons, whatever. Could you, could you tell me a bit about what Esme and Patrick are like, sort of, off-camera? We actually didn't really spend a lot of time with them. I, th I think they purposefully kind of tried to keep a distance. Um, and the only time we really saw them was when we were in the sewing room together with them. Um, whereas we did see Joe a little bit backstage um, sometimes. You know, he would come in and sit and, and talk to us and stuff. Um, but you know they're they're very um supportive i would say and um they're both incredibly funny uh you know there was they just they have a good sense of humor that was that was my feeling anyway yeah like liz says they were kept apart from us i think they weren't allowed to favor anybody so yeah, exactly. if, you, if they were allowed to sit with us and they'll make you know maybe have a favorite one or two so they were kept completely away from us we couldn't even have a cup of tea with them so <laughs> uh but you know um they were both really um i mean they, they were critical about our garments but that was useful and helpful and we could improve like in the next week if we could if we went through to the next week um but of course i had my my breakdown week in the 80s week and, and patrick came out and had a chat with me and supported me and that that you know that helped me get through that week really um mm. so yeah they're both really great judges and they know what they're talking about as well you know yeah, they've been in the industry good. for quite a while and they know what they're talking about so you can't uh, ignore their comments so yeah they're, yeah. they're both lovely I did I did feel like my sewing improved dramatically after being on sewing beat. And I think it was just from the amount of um things that you pick up in judging, you know, how something perhaps should be sewn instead of the way that you did sew it. <laughs> um yeah, I I honestly found all the judges' feedback absolutely invaluable and um even now when I'm sewing a seam, if I haven't got it spot on, I do in the back of my mind think, would Esme be pleased about this? And if the answer is no, then I unpick it and I do it again. She's looking over your shoulder. I, honestly, there is like the ghost of Esme is on my shoulder the entire time. Oh, must have been quite, quite the experience. Now, it did seem like there was a terrific sort of mood on the set did you make a lot of good friends are you still keeping in touch yeah we all talk to each other uh probably several times a week we still message each other don't we matt um yeah. we yeah we we all formed quite a, a tight-knit group i think especially sort of as a few more people kind of dropped out in the beginning 
and you all spend time in each other's pockets really you know you're with each other for a good well even longer than 48 hours constantly really because you you kind of together from the evening before you start filming as well so we would often spend all day together and then we would spend time together at the hotel as well before we would all sort of go back to our own rooms for the evening. So it's have a lot a of time. Drinks. Yeah, yeah. Lots. Have one or two drinks <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But um, no. yeah, it you kind of go through so so many ups and downs together. I think you tend to bond really quickly. Or that was my feeling about it anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't know or meet anybody until the day before the first um, episode was filmed. So we all met up in a bar or a restaurant just around the corner from the studio. And we didn't know anyone um, beforehand. So it was great just to have that that time to get to know people a little bit better. And I remember Therese, um, she was, you know, talk about herself and like she's retired and everything and she said to me so when was it when you retired (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I'm only 44 at the time (laughs) (laughs) I've got another 20 years until I retire (laughs) but um you know bless her love her and uh yeah we, we created a great bond all of us I have to say that I was always in awe whenever you did the transformation challenges because <laughs> I'd, I'd see the sort of stuff they rolled out and I was how on earth. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly I... the same reaction I had as well because I had no idea. I think transformation was probably my weakest thing. Um, same. No, I, no idea what I was going to do. And the, the first thing that comes into your head, you have to go, okay, I'm going to have to go with this because I've only got an hour and a half. So. It was an hour and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was 90 minutes. Um, 90 minutes to make something. So you've got to do the first thing that comes into your head. You have got no time to plan it. You just have to do it. And sometimes it works, and most of the time it didn't <laughs> for me. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. I also <laughs> felt like it was one of my weakest challenges. Um, I'm kind of one of those people who, when I make a thing, it I will think about it for a long time, and it will fully sort of develop as an idea in my head even if I don't sketch anything down but I'll have an idea of what I want to make for a long time before I actually bite the bullet and do it um so I I found that particular challenge very tough and um as Matt said the idea you kind of have to take the first idea that comes in your head and just run with it because if you don't you don't have time to actually sew the thing and put it together um but we used to play a, a fun game of sort of sitting um, behind the scenes and trying to guess what <laughs> the what we would be given that week to transform. And there were uh, several weeks when I managed to guess correctly what we would be given. Not that it was any help whatsoever, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think there was there was some weeks when. Um, you could just see the looks on our faces as they unveiled what it was that we had to do. And uh, yeah, it was just pure horror. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Some of them were pretty evil. Yes. Uh, what would you yeah. What would you say your best and worst were? Uh, 
I think my worst transformation challenge without a doubt was the kids onesie where we had to take anoraks or cagoules and, and turn them into like a, spl a splash suit for a child. And mine was literally, I mean, it's no joke to say it was hanging on by a thread. It literally was. I think there were some seams that didn't even close. No child was staying waterproofed in that contraption, believe me. Um, and I think the best one was probably the tablecloth where I made a kind of kimono style dress out of that one with a big obi belt. Um, and it looked, it did look fantastic on the mannequin, but I tried it on myself and I guess it's a thing that you need to be tall to wear because it <laughs> just did look like a tablecloth on me, but it looked good on the mannequin. <laughs> I, 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 I think all mine was were, were bad. So I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to think. I tried to forget about them now. Um, I think the best and worst is the apple I done for the whatever it was for, for oh, um, my God. kids week. Um, it was best because it just made me laugh so much. I had so much fun doing it, and it was rubbish <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, so I think it, it was my best and my worst. <laughs> it made my day when Patrick put the little hat on. Yeah. I've still oh, got the little hat, actually. So funny. Special occasions, I wear that. <laughs> it, is, it is quite an odd challenge, though. I suppose it's just to sort of really mix it up a lot. Yeah, I can't see many sort of instances where you might be making stuff out of a, a Provencal tablecloth. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? I think it's kind of there to fire the imagination up and, and show you that if you know you have something random lying around in your house and you like it but you don't really know what you would do with it you could you know reuse it somehow and uh i i have got a couple of things sort of stashed away in my stash now like old old garments and stuff that i am planning on on upcycling that i probably never would have tried before um so in a way, I guess it was kind of a good experience to do those transformation challenges, but I definitely take more time over considering <laughs> what to do with stuff in the future. Definitely. I never want to work like that again. No. <laughs> Make something in 90 minutes. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is a, bit, uh, a bit short time. Now, I have to admit that I'm not a person who enjoys watching sports on telly or really no interest in sports at all. But sewing bee strikes me as a sort of competitive sewing, and I find it utterly compelling. Any idea why that might be? Do you know what? I, I honestly think this is my own opinion because this is how I identify with these things. But I think there's just a pleasure in watching people be good at something. Um, and... I think there's also a pleasure in seeing people sometimes kind of get it wrong, but be able to fix it or know sort of how they went wrong and what you would do to fix it, perhaps. But I know I really enjoy watching things like uh, the repair shop because it's so lovely to watch someone craft a thing and fix a thing. I don't know. I just I find that quite compelling. And I know that there were people who watched Sewing Bee last year who reached out to me on Instagram who said, I've never watched Sewing Bee before, but I loved it. And it's not I'm, I don't even like sewing. I'm not even interested in sewing, but I love just watching you all make things. 
And I, I think that's I think that's what it is. People just like to watch people create something out of nothing, really. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, yeah, I think it's um, and the, in the workroom there wasn't any competitiveness really. I don't think, but um, maybe on screen you you saw that competitiveness. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I no, don't think I, so. I agree. I don't think. I think we were all very happy to help each other. There was certainly. I didn't ever get a feeling of anyone kind of stepping on anyone else's head to, no. to to get higher up the rankings. You know, everyone wanted to help and, yeah. you know, I don't think there was ever any glee when someone was like, hey, hey, you got it wrong, you know? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and we all helped each other as well. I remember yeah. in, in the final, actually, um, I was doing that god-awful kilt and <laughs> Nicole, Nicole um, took some time away from doing her, her own kilt to help me to get the measurements right and it still got it wrong but she came over she took time out and she helped me with that so um yeah there was no competitiveness in the in the um in the show we all helped each other out it's uh, yeah, it was great yeah. maybe that's part of the appeal as well that it shows that you can actually be competitive and kind to each other yeah absolutely i think people also like it because as you've kind of touched on it's a bit of a feel-good show you know it's not a reality show where anyone's out there to make anyone look bad or kind of trip people up there was a genuine sense of everyone wants you to do well you know e even at times the cameramen behind you know behind the camera like come on you can do it you know yeah yeah it, it is genuinely a, a nice atmosphere to work in. If stressful, it's it's a nice it's a nice atmosphere, and everyone got on, and everyone. I, I felt like everyone wanted everyone to succeed, and there were weeks where we all took a turn at, at being upset because we'd done a, a thing wrong or whatever, and everyone was comforting and um, kind to each other. Now. I'd like to talk a bit about sort of sewing in general and sewing your own clothes. Uh, because I, do you sew for yourself as well, Matt? Um, I haven't for a while, um, <laughs> but I do. I have made some garments for myself, yeah, and for my partner as well. Not that he wears them, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do. <laughs> Strike him off the list, Matt. I will. No, I like to. Um, <laughs> I like to try something new. Like I've done a jacket, uh, I think last summer, and I've never really made a jacket before. And the material, I only had enough material to make it for a small. So I made it for him because he's quite slim. Um, so yeah, I like to try out new new patterns, even if it doesn't get worn. <laughs> mm. You must never make things for people who aren't grateful to receive them. Uh, exactly. I won't. I won't make him anything in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you find you appreciate the things you make yourself? Can, can you see that they are quality and well-made? I I do, definitely. Um, I put a lot of effort into things now. I think I, I used to stick to sewing quite easy things for myself and because they felt not, I wouldn't say disposable, but because they were easy, I didn't feel like they were so special. But now I've kind of branched out into things like uh, tailoring. So um, last year I made myself a coat, um, a proper wool one that was all fully lined. Um, and just recently I've been sewing a pair of uh, jeans for myself. And they're all sort of much more complex, structured, kind of tailored garments that take a lot of time. And I think because of that, I definitely appreciate them more. Um, 
one thing that I don't want to do is just constantly churn garments out um it's one it's actually a thing that worries me actually is having too many clothes i don't like to um have an overflowing wardrobe and overflowing drawers so i'm now trying to stick to making things that do take more time to construct and are kind of more considered um and perhaps even more staple if that makes sense so kind of things that I can keep for a long time. I'm, I'm not kind of a person who has a high turnover wardrobe. I like to make a thing. And in the days when I was buying a thing, I used to keep things for a long time. So I do feel like I appreciate them more. I think I'm the opposite to you. I have a overflowing <laughs> wardrobe. <laughs> um, we, we went through one of the cupboards the other day and we have a full cupboard of jackets and coats and everything and need one for every occasion of course and then we've got the drag we've got loads of drag outfits in there um so we have an overflowing wardrobe of clothes i think <laughs> so you don't need to make any more really i don't need to make any more at all no <laughs> when you know how much effort goes into garments and you know more about construction and so forth how does that make you look at the professionally made garments the factory made it's funny because I think this is often a conversation that's had in uh, between people who saw and they kind of say that they actually before started sewing never realised how badly constructed some of the ready to wear garments actually can be when you look at them like you would pick up every floor in your own sewing but when you you would never think to look that closely at a piece of um, like a ready to wear garment. Um, I think for me, one of my big aims at the minute is to have a 100% me made wardrobe. So I'm I'm not buying anything, really. Um, that's not to say I'm chucking out all the stuff that I already have in my wardrobe that is store bought. I'm determined to get my wear out of everything. But yeah, I think that's definitely something that brings me a lot of pleasure is knowing that I can finish things to a higher standard, make sure that those seams aren't going to pop when I try on my stretchy jeans. Whereas, you know, if I bought them from a store, perhaps uh, might end up with a hole in the seam after a month or something. Um, I think it's just a lot more fulfilling to know that things are, are finished well. What do you think, Matt? Um, <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I haven't bought any clothes for ages but then we've been locked in so um i have no need but um i think you know i would like to make more of my own garments i have one shirt pattern that i i use for uh, i've used over and over again and i've just bought different fabrics to make the same shirt so um i need to make um more use of them really and use that pattern more i've got a stash of fabric that i need to use so um uh, i like to use the same pattern uh, all the time um but those shirts don't fit me anymore after lockdown so i'm gonna have to <laughs> make a few more <laughs> or lose some weight one or the other <laughs> i think it's easier to sort of get back to uh, pre-pandemic weight really yeah. I'll, I'll make new shirts <laughs> 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 no i will i will and then i can use my my shirts again yeah <laughs> It is interesting from a sustainability uh, point of view, 
making stuff yourself. Uh, my wife knits, and she's knitting stuff all the time now, much more than she needs. Um, is there a chance once you get sewing that you're just producing stuff, mad numbers of it? I think that that's a particular worry for me is that I don't want to ever just make stuff for the sake of it. Um, and that's kind of why I've, I've gone towards things that are perhaps a bit more process intensive. So definitely making jeans, it takes quite a long time to cut out all the panels, construct them, top stitch them, make all the belt loops, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a longer project than just making, say, a T-shirt would be where you kind of overlock two side seams, put your uh, sleeves in and put a neck neckband on and you're done. Um, so I think that's kind of why I'm edging towards more complex projects. I kind of want to get my money's worth out of every project rather than um, sewing simpler things. Um, but I guess sustainability has been on my mind as well just in terms of fabric choices as well so trying to buy like certified cottons that you know can be traced back to sustainable practices and it, it's a real sort of complex web of things that kind of all intersect I would say when it comes to sewing and sustainability because it's not just on the face of it are you producing too much but also where are you getting your fabrics from are your fabrics sustainably sourced and um you know it's it's a tough one to kind of really answer you know can you can you buy dead stock? Well, is it ever really dead stock? Because did the manufacturer actually just overproduce knowing that it would go to the sewing market um, rather than just, you know, you're buying up the stuff that really didn't get used in manufacturing? It's quite a, I think it's quite a tough ask to have this hobby and be 100% sustainable. I'm not really convinced it's possible. I find it really hard to find fabrics that are made in the UK and not flown halfway around the world. Yes. Um, I've been really trying to get some quality fabrics rather than just buying fabrics like just a couple of pounds per meter, but buying, you know, paying that little bit extra, knowing that it's maybe produced uh, sustainably. Um, and you get much quality, much better quality garment at the end of it if you use a, a good fabric rather than something cheap that's been churned out and um been flown halfway around the world mm. yeah there is also the matter of uh, some sort of uk made fabrics where it's really made in india or turkey or south korea yeah and the uk made bit is that they put it on a different role once it yeah. came to the uk yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to know if what you're buying is truly sustainable. I mean, you could buy uh, an organic cotton that's still not been knit in the most uh, ethical of factories, mm. and it's just hard to to sort of trace the origin of everything back to to whether it really is sustainable or not. I mean, I guess if you were going to be truly sustainable, you'd, you'd never buy anything new and just try and mend everything that you currently <laughs> own. Or weave your own fabric. Or weave your own fabric. I did, <laughs> I did dabble with uh, spinning yarn, actually. Yeah. 
um, probably about 10 years ago now, I had a spinning wheel. But obviously, uh, even the wool has to come from somewhere, doesn't it? Um, sheep in your garden. Have some sheep, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, it would be the absolute dream for me to have a small holding and, and be able to be self-sufficient. I would absolutely love that. But uh, sadly, in the UK, it's not uh, It's not very possible. With uh, They did it in the good life. Land prices being so expensive. <laughs> I know. Well, we've got a garden allotment now. Um, yeah. They've actually... Uh, bit the bullet and turned a lot of the lawn over to growing food and this is the first year we're going to try and make it work try and not buy any uh veggies or salad this year we'll see how that goes brilliant mm. i was going to say that uh, making your own clothes and sort of taking the process back as far as you can does really slow things down compared to say being a bit of a fast fashion enthusiast yeah because i imagine now that you've sewn a pair of jeans and it might have taken you, well, probably quite a few hours. And then you look at what a pair of similar jeans might go for in one of the high street shops. Yeah. And how, how does that sort of <laughs> come together? Yeah, I mean, when you, you look at uh, a Primark pair of jeans that's like 12 pounds, <laughs> then I can't even buy fabric to make a pair of jeans mm. for that amount of money. So obviously, someone somewhere along the line it's not getting a fair deal um but you know i mean i was personally never a big fast fashion enthusiast anyway because kind of being a bit more of an alternative fashion um dresser it's often hard to get things that you like in in fast fashion outlets anyway so i always kind of I've never been a good shopper, if that makes sense. I've always had an idea of something in my head and then went out to buy it because I needed it. I've never just been a person that would go out and, and browse the high street on a on a Saturday afternoon anyway. Um, but I, I definitely feel more attached to my clothes now that I make them, I would say. I guess you have more of a sense of pride as well. If you make the clothes yourself, you have a sense of pride wearing them and and showing them off a little bit as well. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword though because when you make something that then it either doesn't fit and there's or or you I don't know say you you chew the fabric up in the sewing machine or you cut a hole in it or something, the devastation is real. You know, <laughs> I have known to put things in the naughty corner and not look at them for quite a while. <laughs> But you, but you make a point, uh, Liz, of showing all your projects on Instagram. I do. Does that yes. sort of drive you harder, or? I think so. I what I like to do, and I find that I, I find that the people who follow me tend to be more engaged with the end result if they've seen the process of it coming together. And I know that there are non-sewers who follow me just to see what it is that I'm making and what it is that I'm I'm up to. You know, so I think even the people that don't sew like to see the end result and they like the tease of seeing the process of it coming together in my stories. Um, I, th I think it goes back to that thing of people just like to see the process of a thing being made. Are all your garments uh, appreciated to the same extent? No, definitely not. I mean, some of them are appreciated more than others, I would say. Um, I mean, particular uh, hits of being the coat that I made in, in autumn last year. I mean, people went absolutely wild for that. 
um, I think there's just a, an appreciation for things that are really well tailored. Um, and then obviously I met quite a lot of lingerie as well, and they're always quite well appreciated as well. <laughs> you have been very brave there, I think. Yes. Well, I, I think I always try and take the position of, you know, if I was at the swimming baths with my kids or, you know, I was on the beach, I'd be wearing about as much as I wear in those photos. So, and thankfully never get any creepy uh, messages <laughs> or anything after I posted those pictures. Well, that's good. I imagine it's only nice people, nice sewing bee fans who follow Absolutely. you and they're the best people. Yeah. I do try and... Uh, save people from images of me um, posting any pictures in underwear so it tends to be kind of uh, chest up pictures only <laughs> would you make shirts for 12 pounds matt um I, like i say if you want a good quality material to make a shirt you know you're you're probably paying 12 pound a meter <laughs> you know if you go to some some of the good um fabric shops are well here in london uh, you're probably playing paying about 12 pound a meter but um uh it'd be quite tough to to do it for less unless you want a i don't know a second class garment really you know i, I like to use a good quality material because i imagine if you're first if you're putting the effort into making it you want to use a good fabric to at least start yeah. you off on a good foot. Yeah, you want a good fabric, one that isn't going to um, um, jam up your machine. You know, you want it to go through your sewing machine nicely and uh, and to press nicely as well. And um, you don't want, uh, uh, I don't know, you want the finish to look good at the end of the day. You don't want it to look cheap. <laughs> mm. And uh, buying a £2 a metre fabric, it's not going to be as good a quality. I try and um, only sew with natural fibres now or fibres that are man-made but have some kind of plant-based origin. So like a, a viscose or a tensile um, is originally from plant fibres. Um, and I think, honestly, if, you, if you're buying sort of a, a, a £10 top from fast fashion, it's very rare that you're going to get like a nice cotton or a wool or you know something you're always going to be buying a, a synthetic or most you, often a synthetic blended maybe with a man-made fiber uh, sorry with a natural fiber i find like with fast fashion buying a 12 pound shirt in a, a shop once you've washed it a few times it shrank and it's yeah. you know it doesn't fit as well so um yeah expensive clothes for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a thing with jeans, isn't it? And kind of t-shirts yeah. and stuff. You'll often find that the first time you wash it, it will definitely shrink. So I've been known to sort of buy a size up in things like sweatshirts or t-shirts because you know that as soon as it's gone through the washer the first time, it'll be at least a size smaller and usually not cut on the grain either. So you'll find that the side seams will do that thing where they kind of creep around your body. I don't know whether you've noticed that before, um, Matt, but like the seams, yeah. will, the seams will sort of creep around and be twisted. Um, so you, they're all kind of things that you can make sure don't happen when you're sewing your own. I heard something rather fun um, a few months ago. Well, quite a few months ago now. Time to sort of uh, taking on this weird uh, 
the property at the moment, but our local sewing shop, uh, where people go to buy their sewing machines and all their kit, they were experiencing such a demand for sewing machines. They had a waiting list. They could <laughs> not get enough of them. Has, uh, has home sewing become sort of a new grow-your-own wartime thing? <laughs> Yeah, Obviously I think, for you, Liz, it's both, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's been a bit of a, a weird perfect storm over um, the, the sort of pandemic times because obviously a lot of sewing machines will be manufactured in countries that have had to lock down and so mm. manufacturing has been disrupted. And I say that as a, a person who works for a, a manufacturing um, company myself, um, I know we've had a lot of problems like getting staff to be able to manufacture things and ship them out. Shipping is a big issue as well. So, and then you've got this increased demand on the other side because everyone's at home with nothing to do, loads of spare time to kind of um, pick up a new hobby and turn their minds to doing something else. Um, probably quite a lot of people have either been on furlough or um, have just realised, you know, they've just they've just got more spare time on their hands. So you've got this kind of perfect storm of people really wanting stuff and people not being able to distribute enough stuff, which is probably why there's there's a big waiting list. Um, but uh, I definitely know that um, there's been people who are close to me who have dug out and dusted off old sewing machines, even just to do something as simple as sewing themselves some uh, face coverings for going out to the shops. So, you know, these small steps can sort of spark a, a big hobby off for people. And I think it helped sewing be being on during lockdown last year. Um, I think people watched it and thought, oh, I wouldn't mind trying that. And um, people either got that, like I say, got their sewing machines out and uh, and started sewing and, the, you know, making a face mask or face covering. You know, they're fairly easy to do. And a lot of people um, made them, which was great. Um, so I've uh, been in lockdown and sewing bee being on, I think has helped to encourage more people to sew. And I had a, a message from uh, one of my followers on Instagram. He um, He's over in the States and he watched sewing bee and he got his old Singer sewing machine out and started sewing again. So um, I think, uh, yeah, sewing bee's helped with that, um, that interest in sewing. Mm. <clears throat> I need to find some uh, YouTube videos of how to get old Singer machines working properly again, because I can see three of them just watching. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, wow. Because they're so, they're so beautiful and so cheap, mm. and they're so sort of, you can just put them there, and but they don't really work that properly, even though they look still almost brand new. Yeah, they're so really well, actually, if you can get them, <clears throat> if you can get them working again. Uh, they'll they'll absolutely go through anything like butter. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. They're made proper. <laughs> mm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one of them it was said to was it the seventy two or something like that. They were made from uh, wartime um, aircraft, which were melted down, and they used aluminium right? to make the wow. bodies of them. Wow. So, wow. Serious <laughs> 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 machinery. <laughs> You mentioned uh, mentioned social media, people sending messages and so forth. Do you get a lot of messages? Have you become celebrities? <laughs> oh, I think I, I wouldn't go, go that far. Dead list celebrities, maybe. Um, I I do get quite a lot of messages. Um, a lot of people kind of want a bit of a sewing mentor and sort of ask me if 
uh, I have any recommendations for sewing machines or, you know, what would be the easiest thing for them to start to sew, that kind of thing. And I know I uh, set up my YouTube channel to address some of the more frequently asked questions that I get because I uh, was spending quite a lot of time answering people. Um, but I do tend to, to talk to everyone who sends me a message, really. Um, I am not one of those who sort of shies away. If, if someone messages me, I'll, I'll generally message them back, even if it's just to say, check my YouTube channel. <laughs> because <laughs> I have told so many people I can't really tell them what sewing machine they could buy um but yeah I do I, it's a funny thing because I really enjoy uh, the interaction that I have um with everyone who follows me on Instagram and and the people who sort of interact with my YouTube videos and leave comments as well it's I'm quite an extroverted person I'm quite a sort of lively person so for me I don't find it tough um i quite enjoy it um yeah i mean when we when somebody was going out uh, it was um crazy the amount of followers we were getting because i think it's getting about seven million viewers every week so they were all following us so it was a bit crazy getting that attention which i'm not really used to i think i started with 900 followers and then i ended up with fourteen thousand. so um <laughs> it's a bit mad but um um yeah do get some lovely messages especially when the program was going out and you know um they I got lots of really nice comments and stuff. Um, I still get asked like questions on like recommendations for sewing machines or things like that. So it's really nice way. I'm not very good at social media, I have to say. I'm not as good as you, Liz. But, uh, <laughs> I just like the uh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you know, even after if I do a story, I'm often like with Greg, my partner. I'm like, can you just do that? Because I don't quite know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the young people to to work my social media because I'm not not very good at it. But I do try and reply to any messages I get. I mean, now that you're a pensioner, Matt, I'm sure you won't. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm retired now, so um, yeah, I got I got all this time uh, to be on social media. <laughs> Has uh, participating in the sewing bee given you any new opportunities? You want to go first, Matt? Um, yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> Well, I, uh, doing things like this has been great. I love, um, you know, getting to know, um, you know, doing things like that. I don't know what I'm saying, but sorry. <laughs> <cut that out. laughs> start again. Um, start again. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I don't think there's been too many great opportunities like with work and stuff. Uh, I was doing some theatre work beforehand, um, doing costume work. Um, but of course, all the theatre's closed now. So that kind of work dried up. But it's been nice to do like interviews like this and interviews for sewing magazines. And one of the things that I started doing after well, when lockdown happened, I set up a website called keepbritainsewing.com because there's a lot of people interested in sewing and want to know uh, some easy, simple techniques and stuff. So I started that website up and tomorrow, that's Friday, um, I'm launching my shop online as well. And I've got five sewing patterns that I'm going to be um uh, in the shop and available and they're simple easy to make sewing patterns as well so um, nothing too complicated and I've also done like little videos so people know what to do um, oh. but yeah the opportunities have been uh, uh, it's been good yeah <laughs> what, what, what sort of uh, patterns are you releasing so um, there's a t-shirt a-line skirt uh, summer shirt the summer shirt that I made on sewing bee um, that's in there 
um, pair of drawstring shorts and these Thai wrap trousers, like Thai fisherman pants. They're quite big pair of trousers that you just wrap around and tie on the side. So, um, yeah, it's taken me a few months to get that developed and sorted, but I think I think I'm there now. Um, it Ooh. took a lot of time and a lot of learning, um, which I haven't done a lot of sewing. All I've done is make these garments over and over again to perfect them. So I think I'm there now. So um, hopefully tomorrow the the shop will be launched. Yeah, it's no, yeah. no mean feat making your own patterns, Matt. Um, oh, no. In awe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do I, I, do, I do enjoy pattern making and the pattern drafting um i'm just not very good at grading so i got the grading done by a different company but um i do enjoy the pattern drafting and um and you know making the final garment from your own pattern is um is uh is great yeah well from my side i don't think i have had like too many paid opportunities or anything like that i did a little bit of work for northern rail um i did some how-to videos for how to sew your own face covering which was quite quite interesting to do um but apart from that i've pretty much just launched my youtube channel which um is mostly focused on projects so rather than kind of showing people uh techniques and that kind of thing because i certainly don't consider myself any kind of authority on on you know putting out master classes on how to insert an invisible zip or anything like that. But I do think that people like to see um, the process of a project come together and they, they also like to know what you're up to, what kind of patterns you're buying and um, what you're planning to sew that month. People tend to like watching those kind of sewing vlog type videos. Um, but apart from that, I've just kind of been bimbling along with my Instagram and kind of interacting with my following. I, I don't think it's ever really been an ambition for me to make sewing or my, my hobby kind of my full-time thing. Um, I think I, I would get very bored very quickly if I made, made like sewing and designing a, a full-time job for myself. Um, I know I've been approached a few times about whether I would sew for drag queens or whether I would <laughs> sew for um, people who are trying to put a collection together. And my answer's always kind of been the same. I, I have a full-time job and I have a family and, and sewing's really just my me time and what I do to kind of switch my brain off from my day job. It's definitely not something I ever want to kind of put myself under pressure to do. And it sort of adds the business aspect of it, doesn't it, which might really kill the joy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, even things like I know some people have sort of mentioned that they think it would be the dream to get all, a lot of free fabric and, you know, free sewing tools and free <coughs> sewing machines. And for me, it, I, I feel like I've been really choosy about any opportunities that I've had like that. Um, and I've been really conscious of not wanting to overload myself with commitment to people in accepting free fabric in return for sort of putting posts out on Instagram, because I just don't want to feel the pressure to churn out garment after garment with fabric that I'm not really sure of, that I've never really got to hold and see and feel. Um, that might turn up and be absolutely impossible or horrible to work with. And then I've still got to make something 
good out of it to show on Instagram. So even though I do, I do uh, work with a couple of um, fabric stores, but I've been really sort of selective and careful uh, about what what things I'm taking on. Sounds very sensible. Mm. <laughs> Do you have big hopes for, for the website and the patterns, Matt? Well, I hope so. I hope they're successful. It took me a long time to develop them, and I hope people enjoy them. Um, they are very easy to make, so they're ideal for people who are new to sewing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do hope it is a success. Um, I've got more ideas in my head of other things that I want to develop and, you know, more patterns. Um, I have a very 70s um, kind of dress that I want to turn into a pattern um, in my head at the moment. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got um, got a few more ideas. Uh, there's uh, also on the website, there's like a forum there. So um, anybody who joins, they can, uh, you know, join, sign up and chat to other sewers if they want. Um, also got Keep Britain Sewing TV, which is a selection of YouTube videos um, um, that have been put together and works as a internet TV station as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing it, I have to say. It's good. Enjoyment is what it's all about. Exactly, yeah. Um, I haven't got bored of it yet. In, in closing, um, people tend to think of sewing as something that's really difficult. Is that the case? Is it hard to get started? Do you want to go I don't further? think – yeah, I don't – I, I think people do fear that that um, is a difficult thing. But, um, you know, I started from knowing nothing. I couldn't thread the sewing machine. I took the whole thing out on the front loader of my sewing machine, basically took the sewing machine apart to, to get the bobbin in. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so it's good to make those mistakes and constantly learn and, you know, just go with it and, um, you know, um, welcome your your mistakes that you make and um, learn from them because um, it's just a great hobby to do and um, yeah <laughs> so I'm losing what I'm thinking of saying now <laughs> you're talking for too long not used to it <laughs> I know it's weird isn't it you spend so long kind of you get you get out of the social kind of side of things and then you lose the art of conversation I I yeah. I'm particularly guilty of that. Um, <laughs> I I do get a few messages from my Instagram followers, you know, if I'm showing what I'm doing in, a, in my stories or whatever, and people message me and say, oh, my God, that's, that's so amazing. I could never do that. And I do often reply to people and say, well, what makes you think you could never do that? Because eight years ago, I couldn't do this. And I wasn't born knowing this, you know, it takes a long time, or it, rather, it doesn't take a long time, but it's a learning curve. And I think people feel like they, if they're going to do a thing, they have to be instantly good at it. And I know I'm in particular quite guilty of that. If I'm not good at a thing immediately, quite often I'll spit my dummy out and, and be cross with myself. Um, <laughs> But it is just it is just a matter of baby steps, you know. You don't sort of thread the sewing machine and get good at it instantly. It it takes a long time, and you get to understand how to fit a garment to your body, and you learn how to sew in a straight line and keep things lined up. And 
it's all just these kind of incremental steps that allow you to end up being good at a thing. Um, yeah. And there's so many resources online now. I mean, I'm completely taught from YouTube and sewing blogs and that kind of thing. I never had any formal lessons and never really even had anyone in my life who was interested in sewing either. So it's completely doable um, to sort of get yourself some fabric and some thread from your local haberdashery and, and just have a crack at it if you've got access to a sewing machine or even hand sewing, you know, uh, you can pick up a, a needle and thread from Hobbycraft or your local haberdashery and just hand sew a seam. You know, it doesn't have to be terrifying. And you're not going to know everything straight away. You know, it's like you say, it's baby steps. It's um, threading the machine and then sewing a straight line stitch or something. Um, I'm still learning. I still don't think I I don't know everything. You know, I'm really rubbish at hand stitching, and that's something I would like to learn. So, um, so I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still learning. Um, so, um, yeah, just go out there and try it and. Uh, I'm sure everybody enjoy it. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of people sort of message me and also ask, well, what should my first project be? And I kind of usually tell people the same thing, which is just choose something that you actually want to make. Don't focus on something and look at it and think, oh, well, that'll be easy. Because really the basic sewing steps for anything are always the same. It's just the matter of practice that makes things better. Um, so, you know, if don't sew a skirt as your first project just because it's a beginner project, if you're never going to wear it, it's just a big waste of time. And one of the things that makes sewing so fulfilling is making, for me anyway, is making something that has a purpose at the end of it, something that I'll want to wear um, or something I can use. And for me, if I'm just sewing things that aren't practical, and things that I don't actually want to keep at the end of them for me they're just it's pointless so yeah that that was a, a piece of advice is from me to anyone out there who wants to start is try and pick something that you actually will value at the end of your first project and I'm sure if you go on to keep and download one of the <laughs> patterns I'm sure uh, <laughs> there with an instructional video by myself um, I'm sure you'll enjoy sewing <laughs> Good plug, Matt. There we are. I'll put, put the link in the comments. <laughs> Thank um, you. Now, uh, final question, I promise. With a new season of The Sewing Bee starting up next week, will you be sitting down to watch it? Absolutely. I can't Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be so much more enjoyable this time because um, last time, obviously, we're, we're watching it and we're going, oh, my God, are they going to include that bit where I said that? And, you know, you don't know how it's going to turn out and how you're going to come across as well so it's gonna be so nice to watch it and not have that kind of pressure and just enjoy it and just sit down have a bottle of wine and enjoy it and that's what I'm going to be doing yeah I fully am in agreement Matt I think that <laughs> there was such a a lot of pressure before our series went out like Matt said wondering how you're going to come across and hoping that um well just hoping that you you don't make a fool of yourself on TV, basically. Um, so it'll be nice not to have the pressure and also not to have my phone pinging literally every yes. five <laughs> seconds with someone going, oh, my God, you did so well. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe that went so badly or whatever. <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be nice to just sit and for an hour 
and be completely undisturbed and uh, see what fantastic things uh, the new crop of sewing bees are making because I, yeah. I imagine there'll be some cracking stuff. I think so. I mean, they look they look a good bunch. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Okay, I've really enjoyed this, but uh, our time is up. So I'm going to say bye bye, and I'll have this one out pretty soon. That'd be great. Um, cool. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And that concludes this week's episode of Garmology. Thanks to Liz and Matt for joining me. Uh, look out for the next season of the Great British Sewing Bee on BBC from the 14th of April. I've added links to uh, Liz's YouTube channel and Matt's new sewing website in the episode notes, also their Instagram accounts. If you'd like to get in touch with me, the host, Nick Johannesson, uh, you can send email to garmology at welldressedad.com. You can also check out my blog at welldressedad.com or you can follow me on Instagram as, well, predictably, welldressedad. And, uh, well, until next week, bye-bye.